Good morning. How we doing? Lousy. Tough crowd. All right. That's how you like to start off your sermon. How you doing? Lousy. All right. We're an honest church, at least. Um, we have some announcements before we dive in, but um, actually, my buddy Chris Brugerman, he's going to come up and he's going to tell you about one, and then I'll tell you about the rest. Come on up, man. Look, he's officially, you can tell he's a construction guy. He's got a clipboard. Amen. Okay, so let's we're gonna have a day where we're gonna clean. Um, the who, uh, hopefully all of you will join up. Uh, the what, uh, cleaning, all aspects uh, outside. Uh, when August first, we'll have two shifts, one ten to twelve, and then one one to three, with lunch in between. So if you have kids, we're gonna have uh, childcare. Charmar Park, so you can drop your kids off, and uh, then we'll have lunch at the park, that's how you work, um, how uh, to work, to show up, um, and then why, to uh, honor God, so let's get this place uh, cleaned up and get to work, and remember that uh, many hands make play. Thanks, Chris. He's got a clipboard. He's going to pass it around. There are two shifts you can sign up for. We just need your help. We've been doing work around here, um, and we just need some help doing some of it, just cleaning this place up. Some of you, um, that's why we have the lights so low, because you don't see how gross your chair is you're sitting on right now. We need to go through and clean them, things like that. So those are some things going on. I'm kind of joking about the chair thing, but not totally. I wonder who got the glitter chair today. That's what I'm wondering. Should make that like you get something special if you sit in the glitter chair. Okay, <laughs> back on track. Um, tonight, if you're in high school, and uh, we we really want to encourage you. We encourage you every week to go to Wake. Basically, I'm talking right here. Um, if you're in high school, Aaron, hey, um, if you're in high school. Um, a good friend of ours, a guy who's worked with me for a few years, was a mentor of mine, Alan Hunter over at Community Church, the youth pastor over there. He is um, moving to Colorado Springs. This is his last Sunday. And so we want to encourage all of you guys, all high school youth, bring all your friends. It would be just good to, for Alan to get to see everybody there one last time. So plan on being there tonight. That's 6 o'clock, Webster Hall. So, yes, so please come to that. Also, um, if you look in your bulletin, we have a few other announcements in there. I won't go over them all, I'll go over this last one. Um, Ryan McBride, our worship pastor, on Wednesday night at 6 o'clock here, he's going to be having a dinner kind of deal for anybody who's interested in playing on the worship team, being back in the uh, what we call the sound booth penalty box back there. I mean, literally, if, if you have a desire to serve and you're looking for, we can use you. You can say, I have no musical gift. Either do I, but I learned how to run it all. So we need your help. If it, Ryan said it this way. If you have a pulse and you can do this, you can help us. So we need your help. That's Wednesday night, 6 o'clock here at the church. So um, please plan on coming to that if you're interested. And then also, last but definitely not least, softball this week. Bethany Beluga's versus Electroshock, 6.30 p.m. Northwest Field. It's our last game. Yeah. I know. Isn't it a bummer? But I think if we win this game, we're over 500 for the year, which is good. 
considering we lost one game last year, maybe we need to practice or something. I don't know. Um, then also, Roy Mass asked me to, um, we have an usher ministry here. This is out in the hallway. It'll be made available to you. If you want to serve by being an usher, helping out, taking offering, things like that, you can sign up right here, or you can talk to Roy Mask. There's Roy right there. You can talk to him. He can help you out with that. Okay, enough announcements. Let's do this. Oh, man, we're in the middle of a series on biblical money management. Now, um, in preparing this sermon, and I'm sure Tom knows this too, you walk a fine line between practical steps for just living and actual biblical implications on what it has on our life financially. And, and, and I thought I would just talk about this just because I couldn't really get rid of it in preparing it. I'm sure some of you right now are going, okay, this guy is 25 years old and he's going to talk to me about my money. Okay? I, I understand the tension. That's why here at this church, we go deep into this thing. It has very little to do with what my opinion is or what I think you should do with your money, and today specifically debt, it has nothing to do with any of that. It has to do with what this book says. So I want to encourage you to look beyond that and saying, what can a 25-year-old guy tell me about my finances? And look at it this way. What does the Word of God say about my finances? So I, I, I pray that you can do that. And actually, I want to take a second and just pray. I'm going to be just silent for a minute. I want us just to prepare our hearts because in preparing this message, Pew Research Poll, I did a, they did a study on the top things that people don't like to talk about. 31% of the time, people do not like to talk about this, the death of a very close loved one. 31% of the time, they really don't like it. 81% of the time, they don't like to talk about their debt. We would much rather, in our culture, generally speaking, talk about the death of a very close loved one more than 50% of the time than we would our money, our debt, our finances. So I understand that what we're diving into here is going to touch a nerve. It makes us uncomfortable. It, just so you know, my life is different today than it was last Sunday in preparing this. So I want to pray that we'll have an openness that if, if, if you feel that I'm calling you, that you'll understand it is not me who calls you, it is him. If you feel angry about any of it, to take that anger and apply that towards an energy towards what God is calling you, not towards what we bring you. Can we pray for that for a second? So I'm just going to be quiet. Let's just prepare our hearts and then I'll pray and we'll get started. Lord God, uh, I just pray for us right now that our hearts will be open and ready to receive what your word has to say to us. God, I, I pray that most people in here will not have the response that I had initially to digging into these scriptures of, of just this weird sense of bitterness or anger or even the sense of failure. That, that, that we will live out and understand today what we just sang about, how our chains are gone and you have set us free. And that those things will not hold us down. God, we know that because of your son, Jesus, we can approach your throne. And God, no amount of money, no nothing, anything we've done could ever take, a, take that away from us, those who believe in Jesus and call on his name. So God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will be here in a powerful way today. 
We ask what we ask every week, God, right now, that we will not leave here the same as when we came in, that we will be a changed people. We are people who have not arrived, but we are people in progress. We just thank you for your son and what he did for us on the cross, and thank you that he was powerful enough to defeat death and rise and conquer it. That's why we're here. In your name I pray. Amen. All right. Starting off light. That's me. Let's go. Um, So when Ari and I got married, we've been married, we're we're August 17th. I'll give you a tip. I'm learning marital things, okay? I think I might have shared this before. I'm learning marital things. Um, My grandma made us this. She listens to the podcast, so I'm going to be nice. It's really beautiful. Um, She sewed this, like, thing that has our wedding date on it and all that kind of stuff. And I'm really bad at dates. I have my wife's birthday memorized. That's it. I forget my own. I'm really bad at that kind of thing. And so we put that above the toilet. And so like it's hanging there because we want people to see it. It's beautiful. But it reminds me every time I go to the bathroom. This was the date I was, I say this in my head every time, August 17th. August 17th, so I don't forget it. So I don't know if that, if that will ever help you. If you're not married yet and you're bad at dates like me, hang something like that above the toilet, you'll remember it. Or maybe if you just need to remember something, I don't know. That has nothing to do with the sermon. But anyways, when we got married, we're coming up two years, August 17th. Oh, I know, we're really experienced. Uh, we, one of, we had two bumps in the road when we first got married. One of them was, where are we going for Christmas? Especially when both your family lives in Ohio and they're about two hours apart. It's like the perfect distance to be annoying, but you got to go everywhere or somebody's offended. Yeah, we know that, right? And so that was our first bump in the road. We're not going there today, but here's where we are going. When we got married, all of a sudden, I went from having two credit cards and two student loans to having four credit cards and four student loans and just a lot of other financial stuff. And to be honest, we were not prepared. I mean, just in general terms, we didn't really think it through. We, we had this really silly meeting. We went, one of our favorite places to hang out is in the back porch of the brewery and get nachos back there in the summer, not in the winter. Because uh, it, it's, it's, it's sunny, it's a nice place. And we sat out there and we thought we were going to plan out a budget. And we sit down and we're like, we can afford this place, we can do this, we're combining incomes, this is so great. I don't know if we just didn't know how to count. <laughs> I'm being dead serious. Like, isn't that true? Like, it, it added up. We thought. We thought. And, and, and we added all these things up, and we, we move into our house. Oh, man. We went after it when we moved into our first house. Okay? Most married people are like, man, I had, I had cinder blocks. Not us. Our master bathroom, it had a steam shower in it. It had little nozzles that came out of the wall and like would like spray you down like all different directions. No visuals, please. I understand. I'm a good-looking guy, but don't, let's not go there. But it was just this massive house. And then here was the, and here was the, and here was the, the, the capper. We, we get in there, and it already comes with a flat-screen TV on the wall and surround sound in the living room. I just turned dumb. When that happens, like, I just, I'm like, well, I don't care how much it costs. Like, well, you don't make that in a year. I'm like, I don't care. I want to move in here. It has a flat screen TV already on the wall. HD TV, ready to go. I'm, I'm good. We don't even have to have furniture. I learned that that's not how she thought. But <laughs> I was like, give me a bean bag. I'm good to go. 
But so this was our first house. We move into it, and a couple months later, we couldn't afford any of it. And, 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 and I'm speaking to the guys specifically here for a minute. This is a really horrible feeling. This is like, I mean, seriously. Ari comes home from work, and she goes, I'm going to go get my hair cut. And I remember this. And I remember sitting there. I don't even know if you know this or not, but you're finding out. But uh, I remember her sitting there, and she's like, I'm going to go get my hair cut. I knew that the money wasn't there. I knew it. It, it was actually negative. And my pride as a man, as a husband, I said, oh, that's a great idea, babe. Go treat yourself. So I let my wife go off and get, like, it's okay. I have overdraft protection onto my credit cards. And so I let my wife go. And then eventually, we do this for a while. And to be honest, I really, when we got married, and still to this day, until this week, my wife has not been that privy until to our finances. And so I, I kind of hid, I didn't hide it, like I wasn't afraid to tell her, but I was more afraid of, of what she would think of me as a man, as her provider, that like we couldn't afford where we lived, and so finally it all comes crashing down. Like it only took a couple months, okay? As you can tell by my um, intelligence level, this wasn't going to take long to play out. Because we, we, we bought a new car, too. I mean, I could just go down the list. And, and, and so all of a sudden, I'm just telling her, I'm like, we don't have any more money. We, we don't have it. It's, it's all gone. And, and she's like, you need, to, you need to ask for help. How many guys in here, like, yeah, raise your hand if you're like, my favorite thing to do is ask other men for money when I need help. If you did, then you're just a loser. But uh, <laughs> if that's your favorite thing to do, Sorry, that's for the guys, not for the girls, okay? If that's your favorite thing to do, you need to work harder. But, so I have to call my dad. Whew. If you know my father, and I'm sure some of you guys have fathers like this too, my dad is probably one of the scariest human beings ever. I'm not exaggerating on this. Ari can attest to this. My grandfather, we don't know what he does. I've only met him like twice in my life. But he has a bodyguard that's armed that walks around with him. My family's scary. You think your family's scary? We could share stories. Okay? So I, I have to call my dad. And, and I ask him for money. And, and the strange thing happened. He took care of me. He took care of me. He, he, he's like, I'll take care of it. How much do you owe? And he couldn't pay it all. My, my dad's not rich. But he's like, I'll help. It took me a long time. And, and like, I needed help in other areas too long before that. This is the first time I ever asked my father for help because of my pride. And, and I think that's one of the biggest things that we're going to deal with here when we're talking about money and debt and things like this is, is Pride is how do we handle this? How do we deal with this? So my dad helped us out, and we got through it, and it's, it hasn't been great. We have, we're working on it really hard right now. Just to let you know where we are, um, basically almost everything we own currently is for sale because we're determined to get out of debt right now. We're determined to do it. 
And, and, and I think after we're done here today, I think, I think some more of us might be too, and, and we want to help you with that. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 6 for our main verse today. Ryan, can you bring that up? I'm going to read it out loud to you. My son, if you've put up security for your neighbor, have given your pledge for a stranger, if you are snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, and save yourself. For you have come into the hand of your neighbor. Go hasten and plead urgently with your neighbor. Give your eyes no sleep. You catch that? Give your eyes no sleep and your eyelids no slumber. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Um, putting up security is a biblical way of saying getting in debt. I've read all the commentaries, like a stack this high this week on this, and it's talking about owing people money. And, and so the Bible a lot of times, Ryan, you can bring up the video, it uses animals, and it doesn't really, I'm not a hunter, I, I'm a city dweller. And uh, there's, it talks about gazelles. And um, gazelles running from their prey. Don't worry, if you have small kids with you, there's nothing like, no like heads of gazelles going to go flying or anything like that. But this is what it's talking about. This made sense a lot more to me once I watched this. Here you have the gazelle out there trying to get a little snack, and the cheetah, by the way, which can run um, to 45 miles an hour in four leaps, I thought was pretty impressive, comes chasing after it. What does the gazelle do? I mean, we've all seen these videos. You, you wouldn't believe how long it took me to find one where the gazelle got away. But uh, <laughs> here's my favorite part. You can just see the defeat in the cheetah. Ready for it? Here it comes. Oh. And then you can just see the joy in the gazelle. <laughs> you know he's feeling tough right now. He's like, man, I just outran a cheetah. Get some. I <laughs> What does this mean for us? What does this mean? The Bible says act like a gazelle when you're dealing with these things. What does it mean? It means run away from debt. It means book it. When it comes, you run. This is what the Bible says. It says run like you got it. Go, run, 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 run. Like a gazelle. And, and I, looked at, I watched tons of these videos like I said, it took me a long time to find one where it got away. And what's incredible is these gazelles, like, I don't know if they have, like, cheetah antenna, radar system, but that thing comes near, and you just see them, like, and they're like, what's going on? <laughs> and, like, the cheetah's, like, like, laying down in the ground, and they know. And as soon as they sense danger, they're gone. They book it. I had some interesting conversations this week in preparing this message. I'm sure some of you right now are going, there's such things as good debt and bad debt. And I'm not, listen, I'm not here. We're not legalists on this, okay? We're not, I'm not saying that you're a bad person, that you didn't run, da-da-da. I'm one of them. Chief sinners right here in this department. Okay, we're not saying, but I've had some interesting conversations with people where they just talk about like how, well, I need debt. Or I need these things. I, 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 you, you don't understand. Like, I need to build my credit score. Well, let's just be honest. The number one thing that I probably lose sleep over is my finances. 
I'm guessing statistically the majority of the room is the exact same way as me. I think the question that I'm posing here today for us and hoping that God's word will really just show us is how's it working out? How's it working out for you? Dave Ramsey, a Christian talk show host on finance, he says this all the time. The norm is this, is 76% of Americans live in debt that they can't handle currently. If that's normal, I don't want to be normal. The Bible says, be a peculiar, peculiar people. We're not about being normal, about being different. How's it working out for you? And if you're saying, if you're still sitting there arguing with me, well, then I got some stories for you. If you don't think that this has biblical ramifications, let me just read some stats to you. 50 to 60% of marriages currently today are ending in divorce. The number one reason is debt. Average American owes 13 different creditors right now. Debt is the primary reason people can't give to their church. It is the number one reason why people can't give to their church. Now think this through, because here's the thing. We know you guys pretty well for the most part. We know most of you, and we know that you want to give to your church. We don't question that at all. We know that you like to give to your neighbors, that if you could help somebody out, that you would. We don't question that at all. But you can't. That's why this series is so important. This is just one of the reasons it's so important. Is we can set you up where you can bless people. Just saying. A record about 300,000 homes foreclosed in July of 2008 last year. It's increased since then. Over the past year, the number of unemployed has grown by 1.6 million, bringing the total number of unemployed, this is of July last year, to 8.8 million. 79 million people are struggling to pay medical debt. The average college student graduates with nearly about $20,000 in debt. This is spiritual warfare. Let me just be really clear on this, okay? This is spiritual warfare. The chains that hold our country down as a majority is money. Whether it be greed over it, debt, not knowing how to handle it, it is the thing that holds us down. Ruins our families, the cause of divorce, and we're saying, I need it. I think we may have bought a lie. This is a little intense, but I want to make sure that you understand where I'm coming from. Debt in the news recently. News reports from across the globe tell desperate acts by debtors and over their heads. For example, Carolyn Beldrum, a 53-year-old Massachusetts woman, was distraught when her home was foreclosed. She hid her family's money problems from her husband and blamed herself for mismanaging the finances. In late July 2008, 90 minutes before her home was auctioned off, she killed herself with one of her husband's hunting rifles. According to reports, her suicide note that she had become too overwhelmed that she wanted her family to use her insurance money to pay off the debt and keep the house. Does that sound like it's something of God? I don't think so. 62-year-old Emilio of New Jersey was so distraught by late payment notices that he walked into his local rent-a-center, 
poured lighter fluid all over his body and set himself on fire. In February 2008, Oprah Winfrey featured a woman on her show who had four children with her husband and seemed to be living the high life. They lived in a large home, took luxurious vacations, and she shopped constantly. Then her husband got reckless. He bought a motorcycle instead of paying the mortgage and hid the mail so his wife wouldn't keep track of bills. Then one day she came home and found her husband dead in the garage from suicide. She learned that he canceled his $300,000 life insurance policy three months earlier and stopped paying the mortgage. She was left with $450,000 in mortgage debt, $17,000 in credit card debt in her name, and $40,000 to $50,000 in debt from her husband's credit card. She had no idea her husband was in that deep of a hole. But here's the scary thing. There's 72 pages of these stories. I'm not like bringing anything that should be like something you don't know, okay? But the bottom line here is we are involved in spiritual warfare when it comes to our money, people. I just want you to get this today. We are a church here that does believe in Satan and his work against his people. And you know what? The best tools he has are the ones that we don't even notice. Did you guys catch the tone of the marriages in those stories? Did you guys see those? Husbands hiding things from their wives. Wives hiding things from their husbands. Suicide. Acts of just complete despair. It's not of God. I know that it's not of God. Ephesians 6.12 says this. I want to encourage you. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The battle is not against your spouse. The battle is not against the child that is coming back and is, and is in a financial spot like I was and has to come home and ask the father for help. The battle isn't even against the mean guy who keeps calling every hour because he wants his money. It's not against them. Now, in my opinion, the enemy has for far too long, at least in Western culture, has tricked us. Has duped us into doing things that just really don't, doesn't make any sense doing things that just hurt our families deeply? When Proverbs tells us to run like a gazelle from these sorts of things, it's not playing around. Do you know that 25% of everything Jesus says in the New Testament is of money? 25 A quarter of what Jesus spent his time talking about was money. It's worth us talking about here. Do you know that 10% of all the Proverbs is related to your money? Something that the Bible talks about this explicitly needs to be handled. It needs to be handled rightly by God's people. 
But there is a great encouragement in all of this. And I'm going to give us some practical things mixed with some deep biblical truths here in a second. But I just really want to make sure that we grasp this to see how serious this is. Is that we have a great power as the people of God. Galatians 5.1 says this. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit to a yoke of slavery. I mean, like, we read this stuff. I mean, I don't know if you're anything like me when you read your Bible, but I, I, I get really excited. Like, to the point, like, I just read it, like, people probably think I'm nuts. Just incessantly, just over and over and over again, because that's what it takes for me to get it. This is what Christ wants for us. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Now, you are not free if you just tremble when you go to the mailbox. I do it. You're not free if every time there's an 800 number that shows up on the caller ID that you just ignore it and you act like nobody's there. That's not freedom. Can we all agree with that? That's not freedom. Christ died once for all to cover a multitude, to cover everything. He wants your all. And it's interesting to me that in our churches, we'll get together and we'll talk about freedom from sin. We'll talk about freedom from um, alcohol, drug use, pornography, sex. We'll, we'll, We'll talk about all these different things, but we don't talk about this. Because it's scary. And it doesn't go away. So what we've done is this, and and, and I really truly believe this, and you're going to have to trust me on this. We think we have, and this is not our style, you have to understand, we, we have seven really practical and biblical steps for you to start doing right now. If this is you. Right now. And, and, I, and I promise you some of them you're going to go, oh, that's really deep, thanks. We have seven really practical things because here's what we really think. We think Christ has set us free and we believe that with every ounce of our being. We don't think very many of us are really living in freedom. So here we go. First one is this. It's really deep, ready? Pray. We want you to Pray. We want you to seek after God so deeply. Second Chronicles 7.14 says this, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. We want you to pray. We, we had a great opportunity several weeks ago, and Marlene, we're, I'm sorry we keep pulling you out, but... Um, Marlene, we got to bless her and help her out in a financial situation, and it was amazing. You want to know something that Marlene does every single week? 
She comes to prayer meeting. I'm not saying that's the only reason it happened. We're a caring church. We want to love on her because she's a widow and we are called to do it. She knew where she needed to be. And it was on her knees praying. Here's the scary thing. Is that statistically, I could probably look around this room and we're all kind of in some sort of trouble. And we have about three people at prayer meeting on Wednesday nights. I mean, I'm not saying you have to go to a meeting to pray. But I'm saying, are you doing it? A lot of people, and I don't know if you've ever found this in your life with prayer. It works like this. I really want these things to happen, but then I realize that I actually haven't ever prayed about it. Like, I think about it a lot, and I think about what I want God to do, but I never ask him. Here's the silly thing. You have a father who is really stinking rich. You have a father. His name is God. And by the way, he owns everything. Let's fly. It's going to get Bruce Lee on you there for a second. Um, you have a father who is extremely rich, beyond anything we could ever imagine. It's kind of crazy to not ask him, isn't it? i got to move. Holy cow, I just looked at what time it was. Second one is this, and this is really practical. Save some money. Ari and I are doing this right now. It was cool. I called her. I was all excited. We'd never saved a dime in our life. We have a money market account now. It has $200 in it. You know why that's important? It gives you hope, man. You put something away. And you're not going to touch it. And our goal is by the end of the month to put $1,000 in this. And it's an emergency fund. So if something happens, we don't have to use credit cards. We don't have to use debt. We have cash that we can take out and we can pay. If our friend comes to us and he's down and out, we're not going to loan him money, man. We are going to give him some money. Save some money. Do it before you do anything else other than prayer. <laughs> Save some money. Third one is this. One of my favorite ones. Ask for wisdom. This is really key. If you ask for money before wisdom, how's that going to go? Money before wisdom does not work out. I can prove it to you. If you really want to see an example, come talk to me during the week in my office and I can tell you how money before wisdom does not work out very well. You may look cool. You may have a lot of neat stuff, but you're not sleeping and you're not enjoying it. <clears throat> wisdom before money. James 1.5 says, if, anyone, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Ask for wisdom. Men, drop the pride. Ask your father for help. Number four, quit borrowing more money. Here's a tip, and if I had kids, I would do this, and I got this from Dave Ramsey, so you know I'm stealing it, is this, is do what you need to do, and I understand it's going to take some of us more time, and we're going to have to do certain things to get out of situations we're in. I understand that, but adding more debt will never get you out of debt. That's basic math. 
and get your kids together. And, and if I had kids, I would do this. And I think it would be great. And, and they call it having a plastectomy party. And you get your kids around and you take some scissors and you take out the credit cards and you cut them up and you let them cut those cards up too. They'll remember that. They'll remember that day that you as the father stepped up and you changed your family tree. That that day it was like, my kids will not have to go through what I went through. We're going to do it right. We're going to read Proverbs a lot. We're going to handle this in a biblical way. Wow. <laughs> Proverbs 6.5 says this. We already read it once today. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter. Run. Run like that gazelle. Book it, baby. Take off. Oh, this one's really deep. Sell something. I know, your minds are blown. I spent a lot of time theologically digging this out. If you got to, amputate the Tahoe, okay? Anybody want to buy a 2008 Subaru Impreza? Because mine's for sale. Is that wrong to try to sell your car from the pulpit? I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm just waiting for somebody to come over and flip over my table or something like that. I'm not sure. Um, sell something. If you're like, I can't get $1,000 in savings, I bet you got a TV. Sell that. Have a yard sale. Sell something. Get rid of it. I know, that's all I got. It's deep. Number six, this might be one of my favorite ones in the whole list. Work hard. You know, we're not preaching the prosperity gospel here. We're not saying that you work hard and you're going to make tons of money, but the Bible does teach this, that a person who works hard becomes what? Becomes trustworthy. A person who is trustworthy is probably going to get more opportunities than a person who's not. That's just practical, people. If you don't work hard, especially men, married men, if you don't work hard, the Bible has a lot of names for you, and one of them is stupid. Read it in Proverbs. I'm not saying it. It is. It calls, it calls you a sloth. It calls you an idiot. I'm, I'm being dead serious. Read, read Proverbs 8. Just start there. Preferably in the ESV, because a lot of those words don't exist in the NIV. But... Work really hard. And I put this verse in there just because, okay, as guys, this verse is like a shot of adrenaline to me. And maybe it isn't for you, but it is for me. Right? Can you throw it up? Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. The man who works hard and has a skill he doesn't hang out with obscure men because guess what? If you're hanging out with obscure men, you probably are one. And God does not call his men to be obscure men. He calls them to be world changers, good husbands, loving fathers, great friends, pastors of their families, pastors of their church, deacons of their church, laymen of their church, servants of their church, men that do things. That's the man of God. 
the man with skillful work will not stand before obscure men. I don't know if that works for you, but it works for me. There's about 500 other ones that I could find that I could have pulled up too. And the last one, and most importantly, trust in Jesus. This thing doesn't work without him. It doesn't. I mean, yeah, you can get out of debt without Jesus. I'm not ignorant, okay? Like, I have friends who don't believe in God and have handled their money better than I have. Colossians 2.14 says this, By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Do you get this? Let's let this sit on us for a second. And the worship team's coming up, and we're going to wrap up here in a second. But let's just let this sit on us for a second, okay? All the sin in the world can be canceled because of the death of Jesus. The greatest debt mankind has ever known. Every horrible thing, past, present, and future, that you have done, you are forgiven for by the blood of Jesus. Do we understand how insane it is when all of a sudden we have this Savior who can do this, but we don't trust Him with our money? If somebody's willing to die for you, I'm going to go ahead and say they're probably trustworthy with your money. Because one thing I've learned, and I primarily do youth ministry, is that um, when something bad happens, somebody dies, something happens that we don't want to have happen, doesn't all that stuff just kind of melt away? You could care less about what happens with your money. And, and not in like an unintelligent way, but all of a sudden the priorities come through, don't they? And, and I tell our youth this all the time. Do not wait for something bad to happen to realize what you got. That's our job as adults, right? Is to, is to tell the younger generations They don't have to do it the way we did. Here's the crazy thing is, is, is we can get a handle on this. Can you imagine if all of us, I mean, just breathe that in for a second. Like, no creditors calling, no payments. But here's the question. Is, are you really willing to do the work that is required to get out of this hole? Because you're going to have to be intense with it, man. You're going to have to work so hard. And people are going to think you are nuts. I, I love what Dave Ramsey says. You're going to be selling everything where the kids are going to think they're next. The dog's name now is eBay. Right? You're going to do whatever it takes because guess what? You want to be able to be that person when somebody like Marlene comes forward and says, I need help, and we can all of a sudden raise up and say, guess what? Jesus canceled my debt, and so now because of this, I get to be part of canceling yours. 
I get to bless you. I get to give freely to my church. Do you know to run this place, on average, we need about $21 per person a week. We're struggling to do that. I don't say that as a guilt trip for you. I'm saying that as we have some serious motivation to get out of this. I do. My life is different. Like I said, everything in our house is for sale right now. You want it? I mean, I don't even know. If, if you're looking for something, I can probably find it and you can, I'll sell it to you. In your bulletins, there's a little piece of paper. And it's a quote by John Piper in his book, 50 Reasons Jesus Had to Come and Die. And it's just been on my heart this whole entire time. It says this, My heart is swayed and I embrace the beauty and the bounty of Christ as my treasure. Do you embrace Jesus as your treasure? Or is it something else? Just be honest with yourselves. It hurt me. I really like my PlayStation 3. I'm being dead serious, and sometimes probably more than Jesus. That hurt. That's how selfish I am. I'm working on it, and, and I want to encourage you to work on it too. And so what we're going to do is you've noticed we have these mirrors up here. And uh, Tom and I as pastors are going through this book right now. We've made it available to you too. It's by Dave Ramsey. I've referenced him several times. He helped me put this sermon together, and even though he didn't know it. We got them for nine bucks a piece. If you want one, Roy's going to be at the back door. You can leave him your name. We'll order you one. We're going through it. It works, but one of the things he says in there, and it really works for me, and so I'm not about cheesy gimmicks, but I think we just got to be honest. Every morning when you wake up, you have to be able to walk up to that mirror, and you have to be able to do, and what I'm going to ask you to do in our response time is this, is there's going to be two things. One, you need to look in the mirror and ask for wisdom before money. Ask God for wisdom before money. The second thing is, and there's a reason I gave you those little pieces of paper, and if you don't have yours, there's some in front of these mirrors. And I've been doing it. As I stand in front of the mirror, and I say, my heart is swayed, and I embrace the beauty and bounty of Christ as my treasure before I start my day. You have to come to grips with the person you see in the mirror with your situation and be real with it and handle it. So we're going to have a response time. I'm going to let Ryan take over. He's going to give you some instructions. If you have any questions, we want to help. We're not pretending like we're financial geniuses or anything like that, but we just know what the Bible says. Along with this, I don't know if you noticed, but there's 31 Proverbs. That works out pretty good for a reading schedule for a month. Just consider it.